Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome back to the Midweek Mailbag. We are back after a week off here to answer your Detroit Lions questions live here on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit, our Twitch channel. And also you can always catch us on our uh, podcast feed wherever you get podcasts. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the cre- creator, not creator. I'm not the creator. Pride producer. Detroit. That's right. I'm the producer. Producer. Of, of pride of Detroit. <laughs> Detroit Lions beat writer. You can find me at Detroit online on Twitter with me. Uh, managing editor already editing me in this podcast which is exactly what i need sometimes uh you can find him at eric schlitt on twitter it's eric schlitt buddy what's up man hey how's it going actually not that bad all all things considered for some reason i mean i i came away from this dallas game not feeling that bad and i just yeah, I, I just mean, rewatched the... it too and i honestly mm. felt even a little bit better i felt like mm. the lines were arguably outplaying the Dallas Cowboys through three quarters. And so I don't know. I'm I'm not feeling that bad, even though this team is one in five right now. Call me crazy. Well, I don't want to call you crazy. I mean, uh, but, um, <laughs> no, I, I don't, I don't disagree either. Um, they've shown flashes, you know, where they can be really good. And it seems like, you know, they have ascending young talent and, it really the things that that's holding them back, I think, are experience and then um, being able to close things out, close out drives, close out games. Uh, those things right there are are really the catalyst, I think, is to why they're one and four or one and five instead of you know at least have a second win on the season. I'd say. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> despite my optimism and and your, I, I presume a little bit of optimism as well there. <laughs> Um, got a lot of negative questions this week, believe it or not. <laughs> um, and what? Yeah, I'm um, shocked. And we'll we'll take <laughs> questions live from our live audience. If you ever want to join us, we do this around 1 p.m. Eastern Tuesday afternoons on Twitch.tv/slash Pride Detroit. But let's start with some uh, from Twitter. And and yes, they are a little bit negative. So we'll get some of it out of the way. Uh, Ariel asks if Dan Campbell doesn't significantly improve last year's record. Do should the Lions avoid making the same mistake as they did with Patricia waiting till Thanksgiving and not give him a third year? Well, wasn't Patricia's a fourth, right? I'm trying to remember. Patricia, he, didn't he already have three? No, no? he, he, he got fired mid third, mid third. Okay. Um, I think it's totally different with this regime because of what they were asked to do. Right. Um, like the expectations I think were higher for Patricia, even though he was doing what he was doing. And so um, I think the expectations are higher. The contract speaks to that. That's typically my, my go-to answer when, whenever someone talks about, are they going to get fired? Right. Um, and we saw it in power rankings today. National people are saying, Oh, if they only win four games, they might be, you might get fired. And 
I don't know. I just don't see it. Like, I don't see them moving away. There was a reason why they got five and six year contracts is because I think ownership expected this to be more than just a two year project. Yeah. And I mean, you look at the roster comparison. Um, yeah. Patricia started out with a lot more and they were a much older team that shouldn't have been making the mistakes that they are. This mm. this team is one of the youngest, if not the youngest roster right now, starting yeah. a bunch of rookie guys on on defense a bunch of young guys on offense as well and listen they're making rookie mistakes they're they're figuring mm-hmm. things out and i think as we saw in that Dallas game they are starting to figure things out they they found mm-hmm. a role for Aiden Hutchinson that works they found Josh Pascal as, as a guy who hit the ground running for a guy that didn't do any training camp in his first career mm-hmm. game plays 89% of the snaps and looks pretty darn good especially in the first half of that game and you throw yeah. in, you know, Malcolm's playing still at a, at a pretty decent level. Kirby Joseph, I think, has been an underrated player on this player so far on this team so far. And agree. like you, you have a foundation now and, and hopefully you build off that to me. And it, it's I know this is exactly what I said last year. And and it's what I'm get, when I said at the what I said at the beginning of this year. It's like I want to see progress. That's all I want to see. I want to see progress mm-hmm. in this team from September to December, January, whenever the season ends. And. I thought this. I thought this Dallas game was a step in the right direction. I thought Dan Campbell actually put it beautifully. He was, someone asked him, like, "Okay, you said last game was rock bottom. What was this? Starting to climb out of it." I agree. <laughs> That's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, you know, I want to go back to what you talked about with with Hutchinson. Um, when they drafted Hutchinson and Pascal, the combo, like this was the plan. Right. They just couldn't do it. Yeah. Right. Because they couldn't put Charles Harris in the Pascal role. They tried put that when they found Kaminsky and they said, Hey, we got something uncovered here. Let's move with Kaminsky. And it allowed them to, to move Hutch. And we saw how he did the first couple of games. He was a lot more effective than when he was more static at that closed end spot. And so um, I do think this was the plan for at, on draft night, when they're looking at this team and they're looking at the overview and they're saying, look, Pascal's going to be this big end of the future. Hutchinson's going to be the rush end. If you remember when Todd, when they drafted him, Todd Wash even said, "Yeah, the plan's to play him at rush end." And then they had, and then come training camp, they had him at closed end. And so, um, I think the injury to Pascal really disrupted that. And so now we're starting to see. And my guess is that it stays that way moving forward too. I think they're going to try and keep Hutchinson as free as they can because. Uh, he can be disruptive when he when he's you know one on one or you know occasionally having to fight through a double team instead of constantly fighting through double teams. Well, kind of going off this same question or same topic, uh, we got a question. It's a draft question, so I'm going to lean 100 percent on you, and it might be the only draft <laughs> question we take this episode. But from Jason Krolik, because it's on topic, he says, since moving ahead, Hutch to that stand up edge role, does that eliminate mm. drafting a guy like Will Anderson because they play a similar position? Yeah, you know what you do is if you were saying schematically uh, you were going to stick with this same scheme, it would put a lesser need on it. But you, it would not eliminate you from drafting Will Anderson for two reasons. One, Will Anderson might be better than Hutchinson, if not better than Hutchinson already. So you're, any chance you, you have to upgrade, you upgrade. And two, Will Hander, you you change your entire scheme 
for a guy like Willie Anderson. You know what I mean? Yeah. You switch back to a three, four and you just, and you go and you let the two guys run free. And, and that's what you do. Like, and you put, and you add Pascal, ask Pascal to put on 10 pounds and you shift and he plays a five technique and you still can use your draft picks. You just, you change your scheme because of a guy like Willie Anderson. So let's say they're sitting like at three and their two quarterbacks are both gone. Right. And, and Willie Anderson is there. You take Will Anderson, you change your defense, and you're you're a lot better off for it. Yeah, and Aaron Glenn has shown that he's a guy that's that's malleable. He's he's more comfortable, if I'm not mistaken, in the three four. Like that's kind of where his he has a lot of experience in well, three four. Yeah, so with I the Jets, with Dallas, yeah. Right. I just don't think they would. I think you're right. I think the Lions would adjust their scheme because that's again. I know we're not giving a ton of praise to Aaron Glenn right now um, for for the defense, but it's the one thing that mm-hmm. he's shown he's capable of of doing, or at least willing to do that the previous mm-hmm. regime was not, which is actually make some changes and mm-hmm. listen, like that's, I, I know no one wants to hear compliments about this coaching staff right now. They're one in five. <laughs> They've won four games in, in one and a half years. But mm-hmm. the one thing that I admire about them is they make changes. They, they, they don't sit and be like, okay, well, we just need to teach it better. No, we, we, we were wrong or, you know, we, we need mm-hmm. to be doing something better for our players. And, and that's something that, we saw it. We saw it improve the offense last year. Let's hope that that this Dallas game was a step in the right direction. That they're going to continue to do the rest of the season. Because if it is, well, then like, don't you give this coaching staff a lot of credit if if they're able to do sure. both that in each year? I, yeah, their their unwillingness to settle, I think, is a very good attribute, yeah. right? Yep. Like, hey, look, one of our captains isn't cutting it. So guess what? Healthy scratch. Sorry. Yeah. And they move forward and they improve. And so they're not going to shy away from those decisions. And that's a big feather in their cap for me. All right. Uh, it was eventually going to come up. So let's just, let's just uh, talk about kind of the, uh, the elephant in the room here. And that's Jared Goff. Um, do you mm. think the lines are committed to Jared Goff for 2023? No. And I can tell you, and now I was, I was, I was trying to save this nugget for an article, but at the same time, I feel like I can't be the only one thinking this. So, um, but um, the Lions have had to make three restructures to contracts this upcoming season, and they've made two of them to players who might not be here next year. And the fact that they have not restructured Goff is a massive red flag behind the scenes Mm. that he might not be part of their future. If they were right now, the, the money says, and I always say, follow the money. The money says they're more confident in Michael Brockers being here than they are Jared Goff, or they would have restructured Goff because Goff has the most space. Goff has the most, you could gain the most cap space by extending him or restructuring him. You could even do minimal restructuring with his contract and gain a little bit of space, but they were more comfortable restructuring Brockers who is benched and almost assuredly not going to be here next year than they were Jared Goff. And so the money says to me, they are not committed to him because if they were, they would have already extended him and all their cap problems would have gone away and they would have had, they'd be sitting there uh, and they wouldn't have to do three restructures. They would have just, they could have done one. They could have done one restructure with golf and cleared more money than they gained with Decker, Vitae or Brockers, but they didn't. 
And that's a massive red flag for me. That's a really interesting point that I hadn't really considered because yeah, a lot of people were were questioning some of those re- restructures, right? Like, why are you doing that to Brock? Certainly. Why are you doing that to Vitae? I, I can't, what was the third one? Do you remember the third one? I don't remember the third one. Decker. Decker. Okay. Yeah. So Decker, yeah. I understand though. Of course. Um, but you know what? Let's just jump into the next question here. Um, and this, this is probably going to turn into an article. Do the Lions have any assets that they could sell at the trade deadline, which is a week from today, week from Tuesday? Well, we talked about it last week at the end of the podcast. We said Hawkinson seems like the most valuable asset that they could deal away. He's yeah. got a, a, a pretty decent cap hit. Um, you could free up a fair amount of money. I'm going to try and see if I can pull my numbers up here. And, um, and while you look that up, like mm-hmm. Brock Wright has actually looked pretty darn good. He has, and, and Mitchell, for not what so they're much, asking, but Brock Wright, yes. <laughs> um, so here, I'm, I don't have mine available, so I'm going to do, I'm going to do a quick look up with uh, on on our lads, who is a terrific site that makes things easy for you. Um, but the two we brought up last week, Hawkinson was the first one because he's your most valuable asset that maybe might not be part of your future, and then your other one was Amani. If you're not confident in Amani moving forward, you can gain a big, uh, like two and a half million in cap space uh, by shifting him. Okay. Uh, back to Hawkinson, though. He has uh, three million in uh, in salary cap guaranteed money right now on this contract. Right. So if you trade him, you're going to take that hit. But his contract is six and a half million. So you would free up a little over three million uh, by trading him. While he is extended, or they did pick up the fifth-year salary, that doesn't become fully guaranteed until March. So technically, they could trade him, and there would be no cap hit for that fifth-year pickup. That would go on the acquiring team to decide what they want to do with that, um, if they want to keep him and then guarantee that or not. So it would cost... About and actually, these numbers are probably a little lower because of we're halfway into the season. But um, yeah, you could... You could gain a couple million dollars by trading Hawkinson. You could gain a couple million dollars by trading Amani. Um, you're going to get more return from Hawkinson, obviously. Uh, but you know, I think if they're looking to deal, that's that's the area to go to. Other names that I think other people are going to throw out there. One one is Taylor Decker, and while I I highly doubt the team would do something like that. I think I think it's mm-hmm. at least worth approaching the idea um, because mm-hmm. he is kind of getting towards the end of I don't want to say towards the end of his career, but he's definitely his prime is is past. Um, at some point, you are going to have to get younger and maybe shed some of the cap space that you're spending on that offensive line. But I don't see the lines dismantling what what is their biggest strength right now. Yeah. Especially if if like if if ever if what everyone wants to happen lines go draft a rookie quarterback well you just got Mm -hmm. rid of his left tackle what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) yeah and even if you move panay over you're still empty at right right and if you yeah right and so i look that i always go back to contracts when it when it comes to trades and and decker has um let me see a little over uh or just under 15 million left in guarantees. Yeah. So trading him away, you're going to eat $15 million. Now all that 15 doesn't come on this cap because of the trade, you can push some, uh, but I can't see them trading away one of their top five players 
and eating fifteen million dollars, unless the return is massive. And I'm I'm talking more than than Panthers got for Christian McCaffrey type of massive. Like, like honestly, would like, a first round do do it for you? I don't know. Yeah. From a cap perspective, it's it's hard for that to be enough. But from a talent perspective, yeah, you could make that argument. Uh, the, it's hard for me though. And look, you just extended them, so that number is pretty big. So I, I just I don't see it. I don't I don't see the idea of dealing away, like you said. Why dang one of the strengths of your team in order to get somebody who that's might turn into a, uh, you know, Taylor Decker, yeah. you know, it, it would only be a cost saving move in, in my opinion. And, yeah, and, they, and I mean, they wouldn't... are, they're right. And you wouldn't get that cost saving until a couple of years down the line. And yeah, this, this franchise might need to win some games next year. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the only other name I'll, I'll throw out there and you, you bring up Christian McCaffrey trade DeAndre yeah. Swift. All right. That one's, a little bit more realistic, but who's going to trade for Swift? Yeah, with when he's played two games, I mean that's two that's hard, right? <laughs> two and a half <laughs> is the half. The half is he was dinged up, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah. So Swift makes what two point three? He's in the middle of that. Um. He's still got a year left on his rookie deal next year, so. There's some uh, value free, there, but yeah, but like the, the tricky part is like teams that are buyers at the trade deadline are getting guys for immediate contributions and who knows yeah. if you can get anything out of Swift the rest of, like he's going to come back. He, there's a good chance. I think Swift plays this week, mm-hmm. but how long is that going to last? And well, that's, that's the rub, right? I, I, from a, from a cost saving perspective, the team that's acquiring is saying, okay, we got another year with him. So it's a good move for us. Um, but it, but you are also devaluing his worth because he's injured half the time. And so if he's worth a second round pick to a team, they're not going to want to give you more than like a fourth for him because they can't, they're not going to get, there's no guarantees going to be played. And so, and would the Lions give him up for a fourth? I doubt it. Right. Like I don't, I don't look at, think about how different their offense is when he's in the game when he's not. So I, not I don't even know anything. Like, I know it's frustrating to have him on the bench, but thing. like, it's, yeah. it's not, I mean, is that, is that roster, roster spot that valuable to them right now? No. Is he costing mm-hmm. them a lot in the bank? No. So I feel like no. there's not a lot of incentive for the lines to trade him unless they get a big haul and they're not going to get a Christian McCaffrey all. No, I, I look at best. I think they'd get a third yeah. and I think you might consider it. But at the same time, you would be hindering your offense uh, because when you look at when you shift into, you know, next year, you're going to have uh, Jamal Williams is in the contract year. You've If you trade away Swift, Craig Reynolds is an ERFA uh, and Justin Jackson's not there. So you'd be going into the year with an ERFA Craig Reynolds and then you'd have to completely rebuild that room. And I don't know if they necessarily want to do that. My, you know, I, I, I do think. Drafting a running back is uh, going to be on their radar. I think it it almost has to be, yeah. but um, when and where, and that's to be debated. I know your stance on it, and um, you can draft uh, one. Just, just wait a little bit. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not as rigid as as you are, uh, <laughs> but um, I do think they need to invest in some youth that goes beyond us. Uh, 
a seventh rounder that ends up on your practice squad. All right, we're going to take a quick break there. When we come back, more of your Lions questions here live on our Twitch channel. Again, that's twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit. Join us every Tuesday afternoon, 1 p.m. Eastern. We'll be right back. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we are back here on the midweek mailbag. Myself, Jeremy Reisman, my good friend, Eric Schlitt here, answering your lines questions live. Um, our next question comes from someone aptly named pissed underscore fan. O underscore six, 16 asks at this point in the season, what's your end goal for the future? Do you tank or do you still try now? I know we're both firmly against tanking, so I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not even going to answer the question that, that's asked here. I'm going to ask you, how important is it for Dan Campbell to start tallying some wins before the end of the season? I I think it's it's very important. I think if you don't start tallying wins, then you start running the risks of people not buying in to to your uh, to your what you're selling. Right? Yeah. Um, right now, what he's selling, everyone is buying. And everyone is is trying their best and 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 going into games motivated and confident and thinking they can have the, the ability to win. And uh, if you can't put it together, the confidence is going to waver. And so, yeah, there's got to be some positive result of of what you're putting out there. Or two years of it, you're going to start losing some some of the team's confidence. Yeah, and I think I think the Lions have done a good job filling their locker room with guys that this won't get to, you know, guys with, with strong mental fortitude guys who um, play for the love. of. I mean, a lot of times already this season, you've had media members ask a player, you know, you know, how, how are you holding your head up high? Why, you know, you guys are one in five right after a season, you guys went three and 13. How, how are you keeping it mentally together? A lot of them are just like, I love ball. Like Mm -hmm. that's enough for me. I don't, I don't, I mean, obviously I want to win, but, ball is enough for me and you fill enough guys in the locker room it's hard to lose that right but at the same time everyone has their limits uh Mm. and and i mean lions fans are are a great example like this this was a a a coaching staff a a regime that had a 99 percent approval rating going into this year and we're we're under 50 percent now and no they're back 
They're back. Oh, they they they, was, they, right. they rebounded. They, they rebounded. rebounded last week. So they just needed a break. <laughs> they needed a break from the team, and yeah, they were feeling bad. Well, I think everyone did. Sure, right? I think everyone needed a break after that. <clears throat> but the question, but but yeah, there there needs to be a. <laughs> I hate to I hate to use this analogy because. Dan Campbell used it in almost a negative way, but there needs to be a light at the end of the tunnel. All right. There needs to be a proof <laughs> that, that all of their hard work is actually paying off and they're, they're being put in the right positions. And listen, I think there yeah. has been some of that on both sides of the ball, right? We, we've seen a little bit of, of, of hope in the defense, especially this last week. We saw it in the first week or first half against Washington and the offense we know can be good. We know can be, effective once everyone is, is on the same page and everyone is healthy. So as long as they're, they continue to go in that direction, I think they're going to be fine. Even if the win total looks two, three, four, like it's good. It's going to be better than that. I think it's, I think they're going to have at least four or five wins this season. They still get to play some, some bad teams down the stretch here, but mm. I, I just think overall there needs to be improvement, whether, whether it's the wins or not. And, and, you can't tank. You you just can't tank unless unless yeah. the the only way that the teams actually tank are are benching good or veteran players, and the Lions are going to do that anyways because they want their young players <laughs> to play. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Right. I'm with you. Cool. Uh, let's move on. Let's go to our live chat here. Um, let's go. <laughs> this is a layup for for Eric um, from Thomas Hutchins. <laughs> Why not more Chase Lucas? <laughs> I think they need help at nickel. Yeah, look, I mean, if, if when Dan Campbell was talking about how happy he was with the young players and he was naming off rookies and I was like, yep. And he was like another rookie. And he's, I'm like, yep. And then he went AJ Parker. And I went, wait, what AJ Parker? Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's, <laughs> that's going to hurt Chase Lucas's uh, chances a little bit. Um, I do think Chase is, is is a guy who is is going to get a chance, and I will see when it we'll see when that comes. Um, they still think he needs to add some weight and some muscle, and uh, get some more experience. But I mean, AJ Parker hasn't doesn't have a, a health history of you know being able to stay on the field, and Mike Hughes has kind of shown his cards, and so I think there is a chance they could they could play Chase you. Chase Lucas. Now, will they do that right now with all three of them active? Eh, I don't know. I don't. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to say. When we last saw him, he was behind the other two, so right. he would have to make the developments in practice that we don't get eyes on, and so uh, it's it's hard to say when he could find his opportunity. But I think it's coming eventually. I think you're right. Um, I like this question too. Um, so Ben Baldwin uh, on Twitter, he's, he's an analytical guy, but he puts out a lot of these graphs and one he put out was second and long pass rate. So when you're behind the chains on second and long, how often are you passing the ball versus running the ball? The Lions mm-hmm. came in second to last, passing it only about 50% of the time in those opportunities. So the question here is, well, the question he phrased was, who do you blame? Goff, Ben, uh, Dan Campbell, who should I hate for this? Um, <laughs> for them running so much on second for, and long yes uh so I'll, I'll i'll ask you first does that bother you and if so who are you mad at uh it, i mean it bothers me a little bit but I, I i understand it and that's right about where i expected that number them to check in at, at like 50 yeah. they they um i don't know i mean it does it it bothers me because 
there's a lower percentage chance of you getting into a third and short. Um, At the same time, they've had some success. Uh, You also want to keep defenses uh, guessing. So if you're uh, running when they're expecting pass, maybe it's a lighter box and a little easier to find success. So um, I don't know. It's hard to tell. It it definitely, in my mind, is more on coaching staff than necessarily like on golfer or or the running backs. Um, But who knows if that's a Dan Campbell decision or if it just happens to be Ben Johnson's choice. Um, geez, I don't know if you think you have a more definitive answer. Well, I think, I think at the base of this question is, do you think this is a a condemnation of their belief in Jared Goff? And I, I don't think it is. I don't think this is a, we don't trust Jared Goff to get us downfield. I think, I think it's a philosophical thing. And and it's something that's really bothered me going back to the Patricia era, which is this team just loves third and manageables like that's that <laughs> seems to be their goal is like let's just get into a third and manageable rather than hey what if we pick up a first down on second down like mm. ever think of doing that just avoiding third down at all and so like yeah mm. this does bother me a little bit i would do, like them to see i would like to see them be a little bit more aggressive on second and long and and not run a screenplay not run a draw play go downfield and i know i know that sets you up if you don't make it for a third and long and that's the worst position you could put your team in. It's it's the worst person, worst position you can put Jared Goff, a guy who doesn't deal with pressure very well in. But sometimes you got to take some chances. Like sometimes you mm-hmm. because it's is third and seventeen that or, I'm sorry, it's third and seven <laughs> that much better than like a third and twelve? Not really. Like it, it, philosophically, it's still the same for the defense. You send pressure at Goff because you know he's going to throw it. Follow up question from Eric. Um, do you think some of that decision-making is because of their lack of skill players on the field, like the, the health? Yeah, I'm sure they, they don't have outside receivers right now. The one that they do, Josh Reynolds, I mean, he wasn't very productive last on, on Sunday. And I, I didn't take a, a close look at him and to see if that was him with his knee injury, him just not having the, the usual cast around him or, or whatever it was, mm. but yeah, they. I mean, he also it's the had, one thing um, that 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 was weird about their receiver construction, right? Is like it seems like they have a lot of interior guys and not a lot of X guys. And I know that's something that they've been trying to do. And obviously, well, Goff and James. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, not Goff. Uh, Chark. Chark. Thank you. Chark and and Jameson are are those two guys. Neither yeah. of them are healthy now, but you, you have four players that can I play the Cephas X too, right? Cephas. Yeah. You have four players that can play the X. Yeah. Jameson, Chark, <laughs> Cephas, all out. And yeah. then and then Josh, who's banged up, and he drew digs. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. And and he only practiced on Friday, too. So like yeah. I think it was ailing him. Uh yeah. The lack of X ha- with uh the last two seasons has definitely threw wrench in the works. And they've tried to be efficient about it, but they just it just doesn't work. Uh, badbuilds.com asked a question that was actually my question of the day today. So, uh, you know, my answer, but how do you rank the positional needs, uh, this off season? Since we're already talking about the off season now, <clears throat> Eric, mm-hmm. I had corner back, not quarter corner back yeah. is my number one need. Uh, why don't you list your top three defensive tackle? Okay. Number one yep. defensive tackle is a massive hole. What kind? Um, Mm-hmm. What kind of? Oh, it doesn't matter. Somebody it doesn't matter because okay. you got a, a lean can do a lot. You yeah. know what I mean? Like because if you if you change schemes or if you, I mean, it, it 
if you're keeping the same scheme and you're keeping a lean, then you're going to want a big body. Yeah. Right. Then you're probably going to want a starting nose tackle, which means you can get them and you can use that pick on like a top 100. You don't yeah. have to necessarily get a guy early if you're looking. But you're, if you're keeping that penetration type mentality, then you're going to want a guy like Aleem who can who is a big body, but can penetrate. And then you're going to have to spend a little bit earlier on. Um, but defensive tackle is my priority. One priority two might be quarterback and then three corner. And uh, we are surprisingly putting linebacker lower on the list than I thought. Well, they and, got Jeff Okuda. Uh, He's their new linebacker. And, <laughs> <laughs> and running back, uh, I think, is going to be a little higher. And you might be looking at an interior. I mean, you really have you have three offensive needs. You have quarterback, running back, and in an interior offensive line if you move on from die by tie right and if not you probably want his replacement on the roster because of that contract and if that's not tommy kramer i mean it's i thought it might be tommy kramer but we'll see um but yeah top three you're probably looking at a quarterback you're, you need to d de- tackle massively and you probably and you need to settle that corner spot down opposite of uh akuda because who knows they got lots of Lots of ideas that they are doing with him, but they need a they if they could find a corner who's big and physical like Akuda, boy oh boy, would they be happy. Yeah, I mean, and and to talk about Akuda a little bit more, because he was used in such a unique way on yeah. Sunday where he's he's a he's a linebacker. Like he's lined up as a linebacker. Right. And they're they're essentially trusting Amani now to be almost on an island. Um, well, they, the, the the basic idea, right, that that they that they shifted to was they said, okay, um, the Cowboys weren't allowed to trip sets where yeah. they're going to put three receivers off to one side and then empty the other side, and that's Kellen Moore, and um, it's his background is to be creative and try and offset to make you adjust, and most teams are going to just travel both their corners, and then that's going to leave you a little bit more vulnerable. Yeah. The Lions wanted to counter by saying. Okay, we're going to shift a safety into coverage, which was Kirby. And then we're going to take our corner. But instead of leaving him outside of the box, we're going to ask our bigger body guy to drive the everything inside. And then we're going to shift Akuda inside and Akuda's got to make the tackle. And he just did 15 times. Every single time. Right. And and like and so the concept there is. And they can flip that. Like they right. can flip that. If teams start adjusting uh, where they're trying to like counter that, I think the Lions will just shift and then put a Kuda in there and then have a Monty travel over to the other side. But the concept makes sense and, and, it, and it works for what they have. It works for the personnel. If they get another guy that's like a Kuda who can cover, who's also really physical against the run, well, then you can you can play that game on both, both sides, sides, right? Yeah. 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 And, and I think that's ideal. Right now, you don't have that. And when you get Tracy back, it helps free up what type of decisions you're making at safety as well. Like, who are you going to drop into coverage? Who are you going to put in the slot? Because then Tracy can allow them to do that as well. So it's a smart move, but it only works if you have safeties that you think can hang and corners that can tackle. Right. And and corners that you think it can cover. Because, I mean, the the ultimate downside of this is like, well, in in a roundabout way, Amani becomes your number one corner, number one coverage corner, right? Essentially, Essentially but yeah, um, and it depends on like, but the way that they're the way they're using it was they were trying to use a little bit of zone and stuff like that to try and like help mitigate that. 
Um, they pass guys off a lot easier than they did in, in the previous one. So, yeah. and, and you're also playing on a shorter field that way. When when you put trips to that side, you're really shortening that window, and it makes it a little easier for Amani to cover. And so, I think a lot of that was was this move is predicated to be to to focus on Dallas because of how Kellen Moore calls the games. But I think there's enough there that this is going to move forward in this direction because. Akuda has shown that he can come up and make a tackle. Eric, I asked Dan Campbell that exact question on Monday. Is this yeah. was that a matchup thing, or is this something we'll see from the future? And he said, "No, like this is this is something that we like. We like forcing everything inside and and mm-hmm. having Okuda being part of that game plan." So, um, we'll be interesting to see if if, if now twelve plus tackle games are are the norm for someone like Jeff Okuda because man, he certainly looked capable of it. Just hope. He physically can can with withstand that. I think he's big enough to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? He really is. And I know that the people have asked, like, well, if you're going to do this, why not just move Jeff to safety? Well, that's it's, it's kind of what you're doing, except you're not forced to because you you can still play him at cover. If right. you're playing him, okay. So if you're playing Jeff at safety in this scheme, essentially what you're doing is. You're either putting Jeff at single high or you're putting him at the high cover uh, over the slot and you're taking him out of this role. This having him at corner in this role allows him to play like a safety, but still also have those corner traits, which is exactly, I think, what accentuates Jeff's best skills. Yeah. Uh, another guy that got a lot of praise after this game. And in fact, I think uh, Dan Campbell called it his best game. was Julian O'Quara. Uh, mm-hmm. So Katie for mission asked opinion to Julian Quara for the rest of the season and beyond. So it, it, it's, it's interesting, right? Because he's mm-hmm. kind of been a, him and Austin Bryan have kind of faded into the background in yeah. the first five games. But I, I agree. Like I, I saw Julian flash a couple times. He had a sack that got erased by a, a ticky tack call, but yeah, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on his play, I guess, against Dallas and, and, and what his role might be going forward? I, th- I think he's a pass rusher. Like he's a he's a guy that you're going to put on the field when you want to generate some pressure, especially when you kick a guy like Hutch inside, or you kick Pascal inside, and you want to stack your guys, uh, or if you want to rush five and you want to stack uh, him over the top of Hutch or Pascal, you can definitely do that. I don't think he's a guy who's going to start and live on the edge because he he has a hard time setting the edge. He has a hard time, um, like uh, against the run, and so in past situations, like he can definitely be a guy who uh, gives you that extra pass rush. That is something that, that they need. So um, as he gets more comfortable, I think he'll, they can start stunting him and bringing him inside. I'd like to see him bend more instead of right now. He's just kind of using a lot of power uh, and and he's trying to use his length, which he has. Right. So a lot of times guys that are long will pass rushers will, will lean on that length to try and get that advantage. I'd like to see him utilize his bend and his athleticism um, and not try and rush the passer like Hutchinson does. Like, you know, there's Hutchinson's, he's bigger, he's stouter, he's stronger. Like you don't have to be Aiden Hutchinson, just be Julian Aquara and, you know, use your athleticism. And will he ever be more than a a pass rusher uh, specialist? I don't know. But if you can be a really good pass rushing specialist, you can play in the league for a a decade. And I, I changed the wordage of, Rather than just a pass rush specialist, I think he's a third down mm-hmm. specialist. And the only reason I changed the wording there is because they love to drop him. They love to drop him. In sure. Coverage. 
And I think part of it is the speed, part of it is the, the arm length, all that sort of stuff. Like he can get in passing lanes. I just don't think he's very good at it yet. I think I think he has all the physical school skill set to do it. I mean, of his 21 snaps here against Dallas, seven of them he dropped into coverage. A third he dropped into coverage. It's something yeah. they they clearly see him <clears throat> as capable of doing. I just I haven't seen it flash yet. I haven't seen it click with him yet. Yeah, it would be nice to have him take another step. Remember, he's been his development has been dinged by injury as well, right? Yep. And so, um, you know, we talk about Akuda, you know, being a third year player, but he's only played in sixteen games. Um, I can't, I, I don't have Aquara's numbers in front of me, but it, I, I feel like it can't be more than twenty. And so, um, yeah, I, I think as he develops, and you have him for another year, right? I'm not speaking out of turn there, am yeah, I? No, you right. have him for another year. And so um, there's a nice role that he can develop into. And then we'll see uh, we'll see where he goes after that. All right. We'll close on this one from uh, from Austin Mammoth. Interesting question because I feel like the narrative has certainly changed on this in the past couple of weeks. Uh, which coach are you most fearful of losing to another team after the season? So Ben Johnson was the hot name a couple weeks ago. Now yeah. the Lions have scored six points in the last two games. Obviously, Aaron Glenn is another name that's out there, but I mm-hmm. suddenly I feel like Lions fans aren't that concerned about losing him or <laughs> wouldn't mind. Um, so I don't know. Where where do you stand on that? Are there do you still think there are legitimate head coaching candidates on the Lions roster and and what's the risk of losing them? Yeah, I, I think both decor I think both coordinators are going to be guys that maybe get interviews. I wouldn't be surprised to see both of them get interviews this year. I don't know if both of them will get jobs necessarily. Um, We'll have to see how that progresses and how the rest of the season plays out. But NFL teams love smart offensive coaches and and Johnson, he has that Mm -hmm. and he's inexperienced and probably not ready to take the next step, but he's shown that there's talent there. And so I do think he would be, um, he's going to be looked at. I, I do still think that Aaron Glenn would be the biggest loss though, because Glenn, while his defenses have not been great, I still attribute that more to a talent thing as opposed to a coaching thing. And yes, he's making mistakes because he's only, you know, He's only a year and a half into his coach, his uh, play calling career. So he's going to make his mistakes. But I think his ability to assess and develop talent is a really good attribute. And I think he understands defense at all three levels, which is not something that you always get with a defensive coordinator because they specialize in one area or something. I think Glenn understands the entire game, the entire, uh, all three levels at, at a, at a very high level. And so, yeah, he, I know fans are down on him, but I think he's the guy where if they lost him to start over on defense, all this like adjusting and, and things that they're able to do now, I, it would be hard to come by because those are skills that I think are, are, are really entrenched skills for a, a coach that's going to eventually be a head coach someday. My my thing with Aaron Glenn is a lot of times when a coordinator makes a jump to head coach, it'll fail and people say, you know what, he's a better coordinator than he is a head coach. I think it's quite possible mm-hmm. that Aaron Glenn is the opposite. Yeah. I think it's quite possible that Aaron Glenn as a leader, Aaron Glenn as a teacher, as a head coach might be better than Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator. And if teams are smart, they're going to notice that Mm -hmm. because 
listen, man, that guy steps in front of a podium and I listen. Mm-hmm. I know I've seen with my own eyes. This is the 32nd ranked defense in so many different categories. Yet every time that guy steps in front of a podium, I'm like they're going to turn this around. <laughs> I don't, I don't care what, I don't care how many injuries are like, this is all going <laughs> to turn around. Like he has me believing, even though my mm-hmm. eyes tell me absolutely not. And so I, I think it's very possible that he's still a, a, a hot head coaching commodity and yeah. it, it's, it's going to be a tough sell, right? There's no doubt that it's going to be a tough sell to that fan base. And maybe that matters to some GMs and some owners. It, it probably does because they're mm-hmm. bad at their jobs and they, they care more about their public person, their public approval ratings than, than actually improving the team. I think Aaron Glenn mm-hmm. would make a fantastic head coach. I really do. Do you think he would be the biggest coaching loss? Cause that was the original question, right? That, that is a much different question. And, uh, and right. I think, I think the answer. I know what you I, want to say. I think I want. I, well, I'm not going to say Kelvin Shepard if, if that's what you're leaning towards. I, I do think, but like, listen, I I think offensive, like you said, bright young offensive minds are are Coveted. crack. They're they're they're, yeah. they're everything yeah. in this league, and for good reason. Yeah. This is an offensive driven mm-hmm. league. So I think Ben Johnson would probably be the bigger loss. I don't know if he's ready to make that jump, but I think I think you're right. I think he might get some calls. Mm-hmm. There's enough coaching there's enough coaches on this staff that have you can see the mountain that that they can ascend to but there's a lot of them that are also not where they need to be on that mountain Uh, aubrey pleasant is going to be a defensive coordinator before you know it like he just is like and kelvin shepherd will probably be a defensive coordinator but i don't think he's ready next year i think he's it's going to take him some seasoning to, to, to get to that spot. I think Aaron Glenn could be a head coach. Ben Johnson, again, he he's probably going to get looks. Is he, is he a year away? Maybe. I mean, I just, he, I don't know if hot has, again. I don't know if he has that leadership it that, that you see in Kelvin Shepard that you mm. see in Aaron Glenn. I'm not, I, I haven't quite well, seen it yet in, in Ben Johnson, but he's, he's new to all yeah. this, right? Like he hasn't been coached. Well, it, he has been coaching for a while, but he hasn't, he hasn't been like top tier guy for a while. When you listen to the players though, yeah, and you, when you listen to how they talk about Ra, him, yeah. they talk about yeah, Amon Ra absolutely loves him to death, right? Yeah. And 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 you heard it at the Senior Bowl from a lot of those prospects saying, "Oh my gosh, what he was able to do with us was like incredible," and I learned so much from him. And and so I think he's just he he's he's very relaxed with the media as well, which is another hard trait. Um, I just think he's he's not there yet. But I think again, you can see that the mountaintop is reachable for him. Um, but I don't I think he's he's he still needs some more seasoning. And that's true of a lot of these guys. Right. Look, that might be true of of the head coach himself. You know what I mean? Like yeah. in all honesty, because almost all of these guys, Ben Johnson has coached has called six games in his career. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dan Campbell has coached um, about 25. 30. Well, if yeah. Go back to count his, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 30. Aaron Glenn, 25 games he's called. Like, that's not a lot, you know? But, yes, there are coaches that have never coached or never called a game, and then they, you know, end up in head coaching jobs and they find success. Right. Uh, we're going to see one this week, right, with the Dolphins. True. And so – um but I think if you look traditionally, how how uh, paths to success, and especially on bad teams, 
if you're going to take, if you're going to poach coaches from bad teams, they better have something extra. Yeah. And so you can see that in, in there with a couple of these different coaches and uh, coordinators, position coaches, you know, really, really quick. The, the one they're, guy they're getting there. The one mm-hmm. guy we haven't mentioned, and and it almost seems Deuce. criminal not to mention him, is Deuce. Yeah. Um, which is yeah. which is interesting because I feel like he gets passed over in a lot of these conversations. Yeah. Do you think there's there's something lacking there from Deuce, or is it just we we don't really, you know, he's not he's not really responsible for one specific thing. I guess you could say the running mm-hmm. back room, but like when you're the offensive coordinator, if the offense succeeds, you get the credit. If the defense, like, okay, but what what is what does Deuce get mm-hmm. credit for? Does he do, get credit for? turning swift into something good when he's healthy. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I, what's your thought on, on, on Deuce in terms of his hood head coach future ish. I, I think he kind of has a Dan Campbell path where it's going to take like four or five years yeah. of him gaining experience and ga- and figuring out like every, every week when I talk to the media, like what's my approach? Like if, if he's right now, he's getting running back questions. When he comes and talks to the media, that's what he's getting. He's not getting questions about other things because that seems to be that's where a lot of the focus is. And but he's in the meetings. He 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 attends all the extra stuff that Campbell does. Like he he's learning all these other aspects about what it means. And I, I think he'll he'll get there. But my guess is that he's he's more on that Dan Campbell path, which you know could take half a decade. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, let's let's leave it there. Uh, we're gonna close things out here on our mail midweek mailbag again. If you want to join us Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Eastern here on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. Uh, later uh, this week we have our first bite podcast where we'll preview Lions, Dolphins, and we also have Movember coming up. We're gonna have a whole charity uh, raising a, event of the month where I grow out a mustache and we we give out prizes. Uh, we do a bunch of horrible things to our body just for donations. So be on the lookout for prideofdetroit.com for all the details there coming very, very soon. Some big prizes on the way for, for you guys to potentially win as well. Uh, but until then, for Eric, for myself, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back soon. It's chaos. Be kind.